Please be seated. Jesus is at the centre, not just for us to sing about him, though that's beautiful and powerful. As Ruth said, it's powerful singing praises to Jesus has a powerful effect. But it's not just singing about him, it's centering our lives around him as we follow him. As we were talking about last week, our vision as a church is to make God known in the world, in our community and in our everyday worlds. We believe that the essence God is love and so we are making the love of God known to people in our world. In real, tangible, practical ways, in a real, broken, messed up but beautiful world, we're showing people the love of God. That's our vision. That's our passion and our purpose. Now one of the ways in which we do that is that we show the world what the love of God is like by the way we love one another. Jesus said this, you can read it in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. You know what that verse tells me? The people who make the love of God known. Remember that the people they see, they look and they see, wow. These, see how these Christians love one another. The people who make the love of God known are disciples. By this they shall know you are my disciples, my followers, because you love one another. That tells me if we are going to fulfill this vision of, of making God's love known in the real world, then we have to be disciples. We have to be followers of Jesus. And we were saying last week that, you know, we can use that phrase, followers of Jesus or disciples of Jesus, too easily sometimes. And we have to think about what does it actually mean? And we said last week that it means we center our lives around, first of all, being with Jesus. And then through being with Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. And then doing what Jesus did, both in the way he lived and in continuing his work. Uh, that's uh, what discipleship is all about. But I said last week that we're following Jesus together. Discipleship is not a solo thing. It is a, um, something that we have to do together. In fact, if we just look this is what we're looking at today, following Jesus together. Um, I'm going to, by the way, not assume that everybody is, has been a Christian a long time or is indeed already a Christian, that both people in the room and people listening online. And so I will explain a few things that for those of you who have been a Christian, so why do you think wisely explaining that? Well, it's, there's the reason. Um, we are governed in our thinking and on our living by what God reveals to us in the Bible, understood uh, through um, Jesus being at the centre of the Bible. But um, in the Bible, it's made up of an Old Testament and a New Testament. And one of the early church leaders, called Paul, um, he wrote a lot of the New Testament because he wrote letters to churches, early churches in the first century. He wrote to them all kinds of encouragement. And one of the letters he wrote was a letter to Christians in Rome. And sure enough, the letter is called Romans. 
And in Romans chapter 15, he's encouraging them to, to read the scriptures. Because basically, we have this great purpose that we're all involved in to make the love of God known and see the world transformed by the love of God. But it hasn't happened yet, has it? The world is still pretty messed up. And, and we, the church, have not fully got it together yet in order to make the love of God known. And so we can get discouraged along the way. And so Paul is saying to them, one of the ways to keep yourself encouraged and to keep in hope is to spend time reading the Bible and be encouraged by that. And that's what he's basically been teaching them. But then he says these words, and this is why I wanted to draw attention to it. Can we put them up on the... He says, may God, who gives this patience and encouragement through the scriptures, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. It is fitting if we are followers of Christ Jesus that we do it together in harmony, in unity. And that's, by the way, how Paul and others write in the New Testament. That's how they wrote about Christians. We are followers of Christ together. So, for example, let me give you an example. In that same letter, in chapter 16, you could easily miss it. He writes about all these different followers. So let me just give you an example. He says... um, also give my greetings to the church, this is Paul writing, who meet in their home. Greet my dear friend Eponetus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who were in prison with me. They were highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ just as I did. And Paul, when he was writing these letters, he was beginning to lose his eyesight. And so he had an an amanuensis, easy for you to say, but an amanuensis and uh, somebody who wrote letters for him. And this guy, he perks up in the letter right at the end and he says, oh yeah, by the way, I, Tertius, the one writing this letter for Paul, send my greetings too as one of the Lord's followers. So these early Christians, they understood themselves to be followers of Christ and they were following Jesus together because they knew that following Jesus is not a solo journey. It's not something you can do on your own. We're in this together and we are better together. And God is not interested in having just lots of little isolated individuals becoming like him. He's after a body that looks like him, a community of disciples. Community is at the very heart of God's purpose because God himself is a community. We are orthodox Christians here. We believe in what's called the Trinity. That is, we believe God is three persons in one being. He's three in one and one in three. I've had fun in recent weeks trying to teach that to my year 11 class, trying to teach them Trinity and incarnation. You guys are a breeze in comparison to that year 11 class, I tell you. Teaching them truth. But we believe in the Trinity. The only way God can be love is that God exists in relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in the beginning was community. In the beginning was God. In the beginning was community. And it's God's purpose to make us like him. He says, let us make humanity in our image and let them fill the earth. So the purpose and the passion and the vision of God is to fill the earth with communities who reflect what he is like as the community of the Godhead. We show, you see, community, this is not just a talk to try and get us all together as we pursue a vision. I'm saying community is the vision. 
Just you understand, it's not just to get us together to pursue the vision. Community is the vision, or at least it's absolutely central to the vision. That this world is filled with communities of people who look like God. Hmm. And that's why. You find it's interesting when you read the Gospels. Jesus is interested in building a community, not just drawing a crowd. And if you look at it, you test, test it. If you like, go and read it and see if I'm right. But if you read the Gospels, you'll see there's often a, a distinction clearly drawn between the crowds who followed Jesus and the disciples. You'll see things like Jesus said, he, he saw the crowds coming and said to his disciples, you get a boat and get over there. I'll join you in a minute. And then he goes and he ministers to the crowds because he loved the crowds. He had compassion on the crowds. Wherever people are at, Jesus loves them. But he was interested in building a community of disciples. I, well, this one struck me, very famous part of the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew is what's the most famous sermon ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And I used to think, and I've even heard people say, because it says Jesus went up the mountain. And I thought, and the crowds followed him. I thought, and I've heard people say, that he went up the mountain because the acoustics would be better and he'd be able to throw his voice and the crowds would hear him. That would make sense. How many of you thought that? That's what happened. The crowds would hear Jesus. Well, if you look at it closely, it says the crowds did follow him, but then it says Jesus went up the mountain and started teaching the disciples. He went up the mountains, not so that the crowds would necessarily hear him. He went up the mountain to teach the disciples. The Sermon on the Mount was directed at disciples, those who were seriously following Jesus. Now, I'm sure the crowds listened in and heard some of it, but it was directed at disciples because Jesus was not interested in drawing a crowd. He was interested in disciples. Now, let me give you one example just from the Gospels, just in case you don't believe me. Just one example from the Gospels in Luke chapter 6. We got it there. When they came down from the mountain, this is when Jesus had been choosing his 12 disciples. The disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. So there's a distinction to be drawn here. Actually, there's a three-way distinction being drawn here. The disciples and the followers. We are using those interchangeably. When we talk about disciples, we're talking about followers. When we talk about followers, we're talking about disciples. That's those who are seriously committed to and following Jesus, ordering their life around him. The reason it mentions the disciples here is because he'd chosen 12. And the 12 is significant because 12 in Scripture represents community. That's why there were 12 tribes of Israel. There are 12 disciples. What he's indicating by 12 disciples, he had lots of other followers, including many women. And that was unusual in those days. But he had these 12 disciples because he was indicating, I am building a new community. And do you know what I think is really important and significant is that they are named disciples. They're real people, just like the people writing, that Paul's writing to in Romans. They're real, actual people with real stories. Whatever your story was, Ruth started us with. Real people with different personality types, different gifts, wired all differently, different families of origin, different... But to, and, and God just puts them together. He puts somebody like... I don't know, Matthew, who's like a tax collector, he's like the bankers of his day, you know, the bank, boo, bankers, you know, in, during the financial crisis, you know. And he puts them together with know, a social justice warrior like Simon the Zealot, you know, I don't know, Extinction Rebellion person or something like that. I'm going to clash those two together and see how they get on because he's interested in building real community. 
You see, a crowd is just a mass of people, but a community is individuals who are learning to get on together. And they messed it up, just like we do. They messed it up. They even had the disciples, some of the disciples, and the gospel tells us this, because the gospel doesn't hide the reality of building community. It says, they argued with one another about who was the greatest. I mean, that's how bad they were. They argued about who was the greatest. And guess what? Things haven't changed much in the church. It still happens. Not this church, of course. You know, one of the... God is not interested, and we have to say this to you as a church. Our, our, our passion is not to draw crowds. It's to build a community. A community of disciples. A community of followers of Jesus. That's what we're about. We will, like Jesus, we will love and seek to minister to and do our best with anybody, wherever they're at, whatever the story, who come. But our purpose and what we're here for is to build a community of disciples. Now, we have sometimes used a little illustration quite regularly to talk about how we're all individuals and yet we're building community together, we're coming together to, to create something beautiful. And, and one of the illustrations that we've sometimes used was um, that of a, a symphony orchestra, where we all come with our different instruments, we're all different personalities and different gifts, and we, we all play our different parts, but with the, the notation of scripture, if we can put it that way, and the conducting of the Holy Spirit, as we've learned to play together, we create something beautiful for God and beautiful for the world to see. So when, when, we're all different, but we come together to create something beautiful, a community. Now, we had to use that illustration. Now, I've got a little bit of help here from Ruth. I had to ask Ruth about some of these things. I said, how do all these instruments get, how, how are they able to play in tune together? And she told me, she said, um, she said they, they have to play what's called a concert A. So they normally get the, the lead oboe player, because an oboe player plays a clear note, and they play a concert A, a note A. And then, and all the instruments do this in slightly different ways, I realise. But all these instruments get tuned to that note. And that's how they're able to play together. Now, first of all, we have to all be tuned into Jesus. He's the note A. He's the one who's beyond us. And we've got to be, all of us, tuned to him. We've decided we're following him. And then we learn to play together. Now, um, Ruth did try to explain more to me, but she did actually say, she actually said this to me. Would you believe it? She said, she said, it's difficult to explain to a lay person. That's what she said to me. It's difficult to explain to I thought, cheek, I've done music O-level. <laughs> Those of you who were here last week, you heard about that, that I've done music O-level. And everybody asked me afterwards over tea and coffee, did you pass your music O-level? Well, I'm not telling you. Um, <laughs> but I thought I would try something as well. As I was thinking more about this illustration of the symphony, I was talking about, I thought, have any of you ever been to a, 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 a kind of a school um, orchestra concert, especially when they're really young? I mean, I'm sure yours are perfect and wonderful, Marcus, but uh, uh, especially when they're particularly young and they're having a go at playing something. And it's, bless them, at least they're trying, but it's painful sometimes, isn't it? And I was thinking about, and I, I, even, I even Googled something to see if um, I could find something of a, of a children's orchestra playing, having a go at playing together. Just see if this comes through. I hope it works. Hang on a minute. Right. This 2001 Space Odyssey. 
Give him a round of applause. That's what he said. At least they were trying, it said, in, in, in the nose pillar. But you know what? Let's be honest. Sometimes we've sounded like that. I'm not talking about the, the music, by the way, or the singing. I'm, talk, I'm using it as an illustration, you understand. We start off playing badly, okay, as we learn relationship, try to build something beautiful for God in relationship, in community. It, it sounds like that sometimes. We're arguing about who's the greatest. And stuff like that. But if we stay tuned to note A, to Jesus, and we learn to play with one another, and we don't give up, we can begin, I don't know, eventually to sound like, I don't know, the London Philharmonic Orchestra or something like that. We can create something beautiful for God. But you know, something else struck me as I was listening to this, and I looked down the notes on YouTube, and somebody said this. I don't know if this is true. I mean, some of them were paying. Some of them said things like, well, at least they tried. Another person said, one of them was doing well, and the other little so-and-sos hadn't been practicing, which I didn't think was fair. But somebody said, that actually isn't, because it wasn't, it was just sound. It wasn't um, visual. And so... One, another one said, I don't know how he knew this and whether it's right, but he said, actually, that's not a children's orchestra. What that is, is a real orchestra where they swap instruments, where the instrumentalists get together and have a going at playing an instrument that isn't theirs. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not, but it got me thinking. We come as ourselves, okay? We bring what we've got. We don't have to try to be something we're not. We don't have to try and imitate one another. We just come as ourselves and play the instrument we have if we're going to create something beautiful for God. But anyway, this is what we're going after, folks. Let me get away from that. Be careful I don't put it on again. Um, So we are going after, as a church, embedding it into our culture. This is not just a theme for the next few months. This is something we want to go after for the next few years that we are embedding at our center is that we are following Jesus together. We want to be a community of disciples. You know what? We could have centered it around other things. We could have said, oh, well, well maybe we're going to, as we refocus, we regathered and we refocused as a church. We could have said, well, let's center it around worship and the presence of God. That's really important for us. And it certainly is. But we know, don't we? That worship is not just a song raised up, it's a life laid down. Worship is a life of sacrificial obedience. And that's the same thing as saying worship is about discipleship. Worship, worship is about following Jesus. It's long obedience in the same direction. That's what discipleship is. And so worship actually is a way of life. Not just what, and I, don't get me wrong, I love it when we come and sing together. I have, like Marcus, I have missed it so much, and it has been beautiful over the last three weeks to worship together. I'm going to say a little bit more about that in a moment. But worship is about a way of life. And by the way, as disciples, the presence of God is important because we've said the first thing about being a disciple is being with Jesus. It's just that the presence, you just don't have to wait until Sunday morning for the presence of God. You can live in the presence of God. Discipleship is not just about living by principles. It's living in presence. It's learning to live with God 
in everyday life. But our focus is not just a meeting for worship. It's about a life of worship or of following Jesus together. We could have focused it around the power of God and the, the signs and wonders and the supernatural. A lot of people are, in, are really are going after that these days. But um, in actual fact, Jesus, did you ever wonder why Jesus sometimes warned people whom he had healed or set free from a demon not to tell anybody? You ever wonder why he did that? It was because he knew that there were some people, the crowds just followed him for the experience of a miracle. And yet that wasn't bad and he ministered to them, but it wasn't enough. In fact, he actually warned them sometimes, you're just coming for the miracle and you're missing what it's all about. Uh, it's about discipleship. And you see, signs and wonders are meant to follow those who are following Jesus. So our focus is not on the signs and wonders, the focus is on following Jesus and then the signs and wonders follow. They are important because they show that the kingdom of God has come. But the kingdom of God means we're following Jesus, we're living for him. We could have focused around evangelism and church growth, let's get more and more people in here, sat on seats. But no, we said we're not about drawing a crowd, we're building a community. And when you build a healthy community, it will grow. But our purpose is not just to try and get, excuse me, bottoms on seats. I'd rather have, I'd rather be a part of, let me put it that way, a small group of people who are totally devoted to Jesus than be full of a large auditorium full of people who are just coming to consume a spiritual experience. So we're going after discipleship. We could have put it on, and we're very, very good at this, reaching and blessing our community. And we should, but you know, it's possible to do that and yet not be shaped in the way of love as a disciple is. Because Paul, again, writing to another church in Corinth, he says this, um, it's possible to sell all you have and give it all to the poor and still not have love. And remember, a disciple is one who walks in the way of love. You see, what we do for the community, the people we bless in the community, that's the fruit, not the root. Okay, it is important fruit. People who are disciples will be a blessing to their community, but the root is following Jesus. And so we're saying, we're, we're not centering it around any of those things, we're centering it around following Jesus together, and all of those things just come. So if we are saying that, we're following Jesus together, we are going to be exploring, not just over a few months, but as I said, over a few years, what does that actually mean to follow Jesus together as a community of disciples? I just want to give you couple of things to be thinking about. This is not the entirety of it. This is just some things to be thinking about. I'm going to suggest, I hope it'll come up next one, but first of all, we should be worshipping Jesus together. We worship together. We worship together. Now, I, I do realise, by the way, that, um, oh gosh, sorry, I'm having a bit of trouble with my phone. Um, I do realise that just being in the same place together does not mean that you're united does not mean that you have unity just because you're physically in the same space. In fact, there was an old Texan preacher who used to put it like this. He said, well now, he said, you can, you can tie two cats together by the tails. I mean, they'll be together, but there probably won't be much unity. Um, I just want to say, by the way, that no animals were actually injured in the telling of that illustration. And for any of you who are cat lovers, <laughs> I'm sorry for putting that image in your head. Okay, but you get the point. It wasn't me. It was a Texan preacher. I, what can I say? Um, you know, just being together in the same space does not mean we're together in heart and unity and purpose. 
But we do believe, and we have found just over these last few weeks, that actually being physically in the same space together to worship God together is powerful. It's powerful. Remember, it was the day of Pentecost. That's the day the church was born. You can read about it in the book of Acts. And there'd been many followers before. There'd been the 12, but there'd been the 70. There'd been the hundreds and hundreds who'd followed Jesus. But at this time, it was kind of right down to about a core of 120. But what were they doing? They were praying together and worshipping together in the same place. And that's when the Holy Spirit moved and fell upon them and launched the church into its mission to fill the earth. It was disciples together in one place. Now we're not going to get rigid and dogmatic and legalistic about it. But neither are we going to be apologetic about it. That there's something really important about gathering together. It's not just on a Sunday morning, but certainly when the whole family comes together on a regular Sunday morning, just build it into the rhythm of your life. Make it a high priority. Something special happens. We get recalibrated. We get reorientated together in our journey of following Jesus together. So we, I, I want to encourage you, one of the things we do if we're going to follow Jesus together is we gather and we worship together. A second thing I want to suggest to you is that we walk together. We walk together. What do I mean by that? Well, walking in Scripture is one of the main images used just for living life. We do the journey of life together. I, um, I always remember, I never start talking about this, I remember years ago, at least 15 plus years ago, I was preaching on this similar theme about being pilgrims, about being on a journey, and saying that we should never settle. You know, as Christians, we're always moving forward, we should never settle. And at that time, there was a student with us, his name was Al, great lad, and he decided he was, he was doing something special with electronics and, and recordings and stuff, I'm not quite sure what it was, music tech kind of guy. And he said, can I take your message? Can I take this recording of your voice? Which we kept on saying, we're following Jesus together. We must never, ever settle. We followed you. And he did this amazing sort of electronic music. You remember hearing it, Marcus? And, and he had my voiceover, you know, doing, we are on a journey together. We must never, ever settle. I mean, I was really impressed. With, well, that sounds pretty good. It just became a subject of mockery in my household, you know. So... <laughs> The kids would regularly, they'd just chirp, everybody playing, they'd just, just suddenly just chirp up and say, we're on a journey together, we must never, ever settle. You know, we'd be driving along in our people carrier, and then from the back, this is when they're about, I don't know, 12 or something like that, just from the back, they'd suddenly say, we're on a journey together, we must never, ever settle. You know, this was, bless them, my children, eh? Here's me thinking my whole ministry in voiceover was starting, you know. Bible Gateway were going to be calling me up, you know. Step aside, David Suchet. Trevor Lloyd's going to read the Bible. You know? <laughs> no. We're on a journey together. We must never, ever settle. Thanks, kids. But we are on a journey <laughs> together. We're doing life together, folks. We, we, we walk together. We, we support one another. We take an interest in one another. We help one another. We, we laugh with those who laugh and we weep with those who weep. When someone stumbles and falls, we help to pick them up. When we rejoice at a, a new, when a new baby arrives. Or when somebody gets married and we grieve with those when they lose a loved one. We do life together. Have you ever been on a, we, we've organized walks as a church sometimes. Have you ever been on a walk with a big group of people? And you go for a walk together. You don't all stay as a whole big group of people, do you? 
It's just all walking together like this. But what happens is it kind of, the word gets stretched out, didn't you? And you get into little gaggles and little groups. And you may be together with this group over here all laughing and joking. about. But then you might just get alongside one other person and just be having a little more intimate, serious conversation with them. And then they'll move on to someone else. Don't take it personally. And then you'll go, go on to somebody else. And it's, it's like that when you go for a walk together. You don't all stay together. You split up and you go into different groups and stuff. Well, as we walk together, it's like that. That's why small groups are important. And can, can I encourage you, by the way, don't stay in the same little group all the time. You see, somebody was saying to me, says, oh yeah, I believe in you know, doing discipleship, you know, following Jesus together. Just do it with my own little group of friends. See, just being with a group of people who are just like you, that's not community. That's an echo chamber. <laughs> that's not community. That's a clique. The beautiful thing about community is that we're all different. We're from different ethnic backgrounds. We're from different social backgrounds and educational backgrounds. We're, we're different personality types. And yet in Jesus, we all come together. Though we are many, yet we are one. Though we are diverse and all different, yet we are one. That's community. And you have to learn to, and to be honest with you, if you're all mates together, if you're all just the same people or do the, you know, all from the same kind of background and think the same way, where does all the stuff that we have to learn about building community, about being patient with one another and forbearing and forgiving and so on, where does all that work out if it's just in a group of mates? We, no, it's, it's community and we, we, we've got to learn from one another. Can I particularly encourage you? Learn from some of the older people in our church family. Go and spend time with them and learn from them. They're a life of experience and wisdom to draw from. And for us young people, for us young people, maybe they can learn some things from us as well. I don't know. But, but let's draw from one another and learn from others. As we do life together, we walk together. And then... Probably some of you already guessed the third one. Because I'm an old style preacher, I'm afraid. And so I'm, I'm addicted to alliteration. How many of you guessed it? Huh? Well, it is we work together. We work together. Do you remember last week I was being a bit vulnerable and self-aware? And saying how I wasn't very good with my hands at practical things. Whether it's like DIY or musical instrument or, or anything. Art or craft. Anything really. Anything with my hands. I'm not, I'm not very good at. Well, I just... Just to illustrate something, when I was 18 years old, uh, before I started a job, I just had a summer where I was unemployed and didn't have any money. We just moved house, and my uncle lived nearby, and he was building an extension on his house. So we thought, I'll get my nephew, he said, to come and help me. So at the age of 18, I went to help my uncle. Why are you all looking like that? Build, uh, build an extension. It was, meant, it was meant to be this, actually, but you'll understand why in a minute. Because um, it was meant to be over the whole summer. In that first week, I, um, I, got, I mixed the cement totally wrong. It just ruined a whole batch of cement. Then I broke the cement mixer. Still don't know how I did that. And uh, he was laying a whole new floor and trying to get it kind of level and squared up and everything like that. And I wasn't really helpful with that. But short, short, I mean, long story short, at the end of the week, he gave me 30 quid and said, don't bother coming back next week. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know why. But uh, anyway, 
The thing is, though, after that time, I wasn't particularly close to any of my, my uncles and aunties, but after that time, Uncle George and I had a bit of a connection. You know, I, I drank, even, even though I had not done good, we had a bit of a connection. And I'd, I'd see him from time to time, and I wouldn't go back very often, but when I'd go back, I'd pop up and see Uncle George. He would always talk about that week for some reason, and for the, <laughs> his cement mixer. Um, he died just last year, in fact. But there's a little bit of a connection there. And I think it's partly because we had that mo- short moment of working together. And though I might have worked badly with him, we still worked together. And there was this little bit of a connection. You know, there's nothing quite like working together on something to bring you together. What I did after that, by the way, I worked in a youth theatre. I used uh, theatrical productions. That was more my thing. You could probably tell. I'm a bit of a lovey, yeah, I, rather than DIY. It's theatrical productions. But even there, you know what? I still, I'm still in touch with the people I did those theatrical productions with. We have reunions now and again, because there's nothing quite like it. You do a, a production together, all those workshops and those rehearsals, and then the big night, and then you, the week finishes, and you throw the cast party. Oh, it draws you together. And if you can't relate to that, maybe you can relate to being part of a sports team. Or, or some kind of project where you're a building project or something, or, a, or an orchestra, okay? When you're working at something together, it joins you together. Friends, in church, whether it's facilitating what we're doing now, whether it's teaching our children, whether it's hosting peoples in our homes, whether it's reaching out to the community, there's always stuff to be done. There's always work to be done. And we should come ready to work together. If we're following Jesus together, we should work together. I like it. One church leader says when a new person joins them, he says, what gift are you bringing with you? And he doesn't mean what gift so you can show off, look how gifted I am. He means really what tool are you bringing with you to help us to get the job done? We're not showing off. In fact, I agree with Franklin D. Roosevelt. He says, it's amazing what you can get done when you don't care who gets the credit. Friends, we finally... We walk, no, this is not final, so this is a conclusion, it's not another one. We, we just put our last slide up. We worship together, we walk together, and we work together. Let me just finish on this. I was in a, a Zoom meeting. We did a lot of Zoom meetings, some of us, didn't we, over the last 18 months. I was in a Zoom meeting, I've forgotten what it was now, but, but uh, Dan and Ruth were in it. And uh, as, I was talking, as they were talking on, on the screen, I could see, I'm, I'm sure it was on a Zoom meeting anyway, I could see there was like a little poster thing behind them on, on the wall and it kept on pre- repeating this word together together and I, I God was speaking to me about this whole thing about being together this was back in May or June time something like that and it turned out I asked them about it and it turned out Dan and Ruth are fans of the West Wing like me anybody else fan of the West Wing okay it doesn't matter they are <laughs> it's about American president an imagined American presidency so the, the West Wing is the West Wing of the White House and there's a, these team of people trying to run the White House and support the presidency and something has gone wrong somebody's betrayed or disappointed something's happened and the guy who's sort of heading it all up Toby Ziegler he comes in and he doesn't lambast them he doesn't shout at them or whatever he just he just says this something like this says he says guys we're a group and let me replace that word for us we're a family we're a community we're a team we win together we lose together. We celebrate and we mourn together. And defeats are softened and victory is sweeter because we did them together. And we have known not maybe defeats, but certainly disappointments and setbacks. We've been in them together, but we're still here. 
And we've had victories and we will have more victories. And victories for us is not winning against other people. It's growing stronger, deeper in our following of Jesus and in our following Jesus together. That's the victory. And it's all the sweeter when we do it together. Amen. Amen.